Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. And welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. It's a pleasure to have our guest today. His name is Bulent Kizelton. He's a chief AI officer, artificial intelligence, former head of deep learning, chief data scientist, astrophysicist. Yep, he's all those things. He's a leader in disruptive innovation in the industry for 10 plus years, working with the pioneers in the field at the top institutions, pushing cutting edge R&D. He's implementing company-wide AI strategies to effectively leverage continuous growing data, building diverse cross-functional teams to identify business opportunities. Something that we're all up to and we've got some great ideas for you here during this discussion. Uh, he, he enjoys extracting low signal to noise information from heterogeneous data at any scale, delivering data-driven insights to business stakeholders and creating immediate value because that's what today's businesses are about. And so uh, it's a pleasure to have Bulent on the podcast. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Saul. It's a pleasure. Did I leave anything in that intro that you want to chat with? Uh, uh, that, 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 that was uh, more than what it was supposed to be. <laughs> you captured everything. Love it. Love it, man. Well, no, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. And, and uh, you know, really grateful that you carved some time out. What is it that got you in the medical sector? I know you've been in AI for quite some time and your entry into the medical sector is probably a little over a year now. But what yeah. got you in? Um, so I, I am an astrophysicist by training. I come from a physics, math, and some engineering background. And uh, in that domain for a very long time, I've uh, operated at the uh, end where uh, we looked at um, complicated data sets, trying to extract information uh, from low signal-to-noise data, uh, as you just mentioned, and try to uh, understand the data with our domain expertise and you know, collaborating with uh, astrophysicists that have uh, expertise in different subdomains. And so, so essentially, uh, what we were doing, we were extracting information from data. And this is, this is uh, one of the premises of AI. Uh, sometime before machine learning became so popular, I worked uh, with uh, experts in the field of Bayesian statistics, some applied math. And through that interaction, We've been able to um, uh, publish some papers, make some discoveries. And uh, after I joined Harvard and MIT later on, I was fortunate enough to um, collaborate with uh, some of the really pioneers in the field of AI and deep learning and work with them closely to learn what that domain has produced and try to implement some of those tools uh, in my own domain of astrophysics. And uh, through that interaction, we also made some uh, interesting discoveries, which we published in journals. Uh, but through that transition, what I've noticed in, in academia at large is uh, because of its nature and how science operates, it's somewhat conservative when it comes to implementing cutting-edge know-how. Uh, and AI at the moment, uh, from a scientist perspective, is considered not science but good engineering because the science is still not too well understood. So implementing it using that technology to do fundamental science has certain challenges and it takes time moving forward and implementing them. So I decided to um, 
transition to the industry where the dynamics uh, of implementing uh, those cutting-edge tools and technologies is very different. There is more space to uh, fail, uh, whereas in academia, you know, you have to be very conservative when you're moving forward. You cannot just be a uh, maverick about uh, whatever you're doing. You have to be sure when you uh, apply certain technologies. So in the industry, the life cycle of things is much quicker, uh, which is essential in AI currently because things are changing on a weekly basis. So uh, you have to apply and you have to fail to a certain extent and then move forward. And this is how technology, especially in the AI space, is moving forward. So, And when I was uh, trying to decide which domain I wanted to be, I wanted to uh, be in a space uh, which would have some meaning that comes with the impact. I mean, the business, co- the business goals of healthcare companies is not mutually exclusive with uh, increasing uh, the health of individual members. So if you can work in that direction and motivate yourself uh, with the idea that you can help members get healthier, you are partially achieving your business goals. So that was very meaningful to me, something that I could relate to uh, better than other domains. So I wanted to be in that space. Uh, that's that's reason number one. And another reason is sure. uh, the healthcare space is uh, kind of broken, especially in the US. Potentially being able to contribute to make that ecosystem better is also something uh, that I could relate to. So I, I wanted to uh, kind of bring in some of the uh, machine learning AI strategies into that domain and see whether I could contribute to uh, help members uh, live healthier lives and also uh, make the ecosystem work uh, better, uh, more f- be more functional. So I, it's something that I related to really strongly. Yeah, Belen, I think it's great. And, you know, it's such a, such a great opportunity for somebody of your mind, your, you know, the things that you've been able to, to achieve and, and, and understand and now to have your mind here in healthcare, to apply it in, in a way that could really help the system is, is, is a privilege. What, what would you say is a, is, is a hot topic that needs to be on today's health leader agenda as it relates to AI? And uh, how are you approaching it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could uh, as an option, go into specific use cases and talk about those use cases individually. Sure. And there, there, there are a lot of them. But I would rather prefer to talk about AI uh, in general and how uh, it can affect the whole ecosystem. And not, not only based it. on use cases, but it can uh, help optimize the whole uh, process of delivering healthcare. Uh, it can uh, help make the ecosystem in hospitals much better. Uh, we today know that there are approximately 100,000 people dying from uh, mistakes in hospitals. So can, can AI contribute to predict those mistakes ahead of time and prevent them? Uh, can uh, AI uh, help making predictions about a flu? Can AI help uh, us uh, changing the behavior of members? We can talk about that, that in a more general sense. And I think uh, also something that relates to AI is the data governance in, in, in healthcare. It's very important. If we want to move forward in that direction and uh, if we want AI to deliver value, uh, we basically have to uh, reform the current system in a direction that is conducive to AI implementations in the long term. So I'll, I'll be happy to talk about those 
as well in a general sense. And we can maybe pick some use cases and talk about those as well. Sure. Yeah. I would love to to dive in and, and maybe this is a good opportunity to, to, to park and, and just say folks. So, so Bulent spent some time uh, at Aetna doing some, some work there with AI and, and optimizing things, but not necessarily only optimization, but taking a look at what this technology could do for, for members being covered uh, by insurance. Um, I'd love to hear from you, Blent, maybe some examples uh, that mm-hmm. you did either there or, or, or elsewhere mm-hmm. and, and how you improved outcomes or improved results through it. Sure. So, so uh, I, I will talk about some projects in general uh, that I've worked on in the past and in, in different uh, domains uh, with different companies. And w- one of the uh, powerful things that AI provides us is to uh, make predictions based on data. Uh, and uh, if a company or uh, operations has access to some interesting data, and if you have an AI team or data science team that has the creative capacity to join information streams coming from different domains. There is a lot of interesting data in the public domain that uh, unfortunately has not been used and utilized by many companies for a very long time. If, if those are combined, some interesting insights can be produced using AI. And um, producing those insights is actually not sufficient to produce the value that AI promises in, and realize in, in its full potential. One has to use that insight and turn it into actionable items. So that's another layer on top of what the data science teams and AI teams are delivering. So this is why I think it's essential that the um, AI operations are led by domain experts and really supported in a close collaborative manner by business leaders, because there are different layers to the whole AI ecosystem. And if it's run by one or the other, uh, there are interesting pitfalls that one can uh, get stuck into and uh, AI won't produce the uh, full uh, potential value that it, it, it's promising. So one specific area is, for instance, uh, insurance companies and many uh, companies in the healthcare space are trying to modify uh, member behavior uh, in, a, in a positive direction. So uh, in, in order to do that, you have to identify uh, what the psychological barriers are for a particular member to not have healthy habits. And that is a very kind of a, a vague or gray area. And uh, data is, is, is not plentiful in, in, the, in that domain, uh, especially when it comes to uh, member behavior. So how do you go about this? So there is, there is a lot that AI can offer in the space. For instance, if you want to make members more drug adherent, if you want, to, uh, if you want members to stick to their uh, specific drug regimen, you have to understand what psychological barriers are in, in play here. In order to understand that, there are different models that uh, domain experts and uh, academics have come up with. Uh, one of them is the PDC value, which is a metric that gives you how drug adherent a, a particular patient is. And you have to make uh, predictions for the future of that particular member. And AI has made contributions in that area. And we've been able to make predictions uh, two or three weeks ahead of time for a particular member. Uh, specifically, uh, if we have seen certain signals 
that are coming through that are indicative of that particular member to be uh, not drug adherent in the future, uh, we can customize the means to reach out to that particular member and give them an additional nudge that they need. And even that customization, that additional psychological nudge is being customized by machine learning algorithms. So this, this is a, an interesting area where uh, if a person has different chronic diseases at the same time, the uh, psychology is very different from two different members with the same chronic diseases. So um, it's, it's a, a complicated problem. I don't think it's a fully solved problem, but uh, there is some progress uh, being made in that direction. And and when you when you expand this, this is a great example, uh, Belent. Uh, when you expand this across, say, you know, twenty thousand people, mm-hmm. you're you're definitely going to find clusters, though, right? And then you'll be able to to address these different clusters in a certain way. Yes. And there's the power. Uh, This is one aspect of what you can do. You can do things in bulk and uh, you can uh, build your uh, business strategy, your healthcare strategy based on those clusters, as you put it. You you can see certain trends in certain directions for uh, different cohorts. Mm -hmm. But then I think uh, something uh, that should not be uh, overlooked is how individually you can really reach out to the member so every member is different from each other. Their zip code gives a lot of information about some of the sociological uh, obstacles for a particular member to reach the level of health that we would like the members to have. And so, so you have to really think of this problem you know, from, from a generic view where you look at clusters and then you build a strategy on that, but also one can actually look into individual member profiles and come up with individually customized approaches and strategies to mm-hmm. help uh, those members to become uh, healthier individuals. And I think uh, AI can deliver on both ends. Fascinating. And how about, how about from, the, from the perspective of a, of a medical device company? I know mm-hmm. I've got a good yeah. amount of med device folks listening yeah. in. What would, you, what would mm-hmm. you say to them? Yeah, very important. I mean, it's a very active area. Uh, I have uh, collaborators and friends in the uh, academic world who are working on sensor data, how to interpret them, how to analyze them. And there's uh, some effort in the industry, especially in the startup space, to use sensor data. Uh, Bigger companies are building partnerships, and I help uh, foster some of those uh, bigger partnerships with uh, companies that have those devices already in place. We have, obviously, cell phones that produce a lot of uh, sensor data, uh, there are uh, watches, there are healthcare gadgets that uh, individuals are using. And just tapping into that space of information is, is very interesting. I mean, from a scientist perspective, I sometimes feel like a kid in a candy store. Uh, <laughs> but, but then uh, tapping into that space of information brings in, in- interesting obstacles and problems that need to be solved. And uh, by means... I mean, there's so much more that ha- ha- can be explored in that space. But it's, it's one of the areas where AI, on top of information flowing in from those devices, will make an impact. It will be disruptive. It will completely change the uh, midterm or long-term healthcare ecosystem, how we approach healthcare, how we approach individual healthcare, how we approach how we can reach out to individual members and how we can customize things. I mean, it's crucially important. 
For sure. And and so you've obviously been through a lot of different projects. Uh, can you share a time when things didn't work out? Maybe you had a setback. What did you learn from it and yeah. how did it make you better? Sure. I mean, science in general and data science is not an exception. It's a trial and failure process. And, you know, it's just through the process and depending on which domain you are, how much buffer you have for failure. In, in academia, that, that, that space is not huge. And in the industry, depending on the, the uh, company culture, that uh, space for failure uh, can be more flexible. And then uh, what you deliver may or may not have to be perfect, uh, depending on which, which use case you're particularly working on. Some of the successes we had, we have been able to uh, build some very interesting models in which I use some of my physics and astrophysics background to predict disease behavior, how it's spreading in continental US, for instance, how humans interact, which was very interesting for me. And we've been able to uh, come up with predictive models that, that were very powerful in terms of their predictive power. But then AI in particular is, is an ever-growing, dynamically changing domain. And even when you talk with some of the pioneers of the field and ask, you know, which architecture, which approach uh, would you prefer for this particular problem? Uh, most often you don't get a, a straight answer because it's a non-intuitive process. So you have to go through a trial and error uh, process. And sometimes if the information is just not in the data, there's nothing to extract, uh, right? So, so sometimes right. you just are trying different models, trying different approaches. You're trying to come up with very creative ideas to uh, implement and integrate into the process some public data. But if the signal is not there, there is only so much you can do. And so, so we have sometimes not been able to extract some uh, useful insights through that process. But what I see uh, more often than not in uh, the healthcare space specifically producing value with AI is most of the value that I produced in the past have not come from cutting edge applications of new algorithms or new AI tools. It came from a holistic perspective of the whole delivery process, mm -hmm. which I alluded to by saying, you know, producing insight from data is one thing, but executing uh, based on that insight is a totally different layer in which you have to take into account the whole ecosystem, the internal dynamics, the silos. You know, the uh, uh, you have to work very closely with the marketing team and with, with product managers, which is something that a scientist may not be too much used to. So, so having a kind of a holistic perspective of the whole process uh, has been very valuable uh, in producing the value that we have created in in the past. So it's been an important uh, uh, metric. In, in the successes we had. And some of the failures in the past also have not been always related to the technical uh, process, but it's been uh, about the culture and the uh, cultural barriers within a certain company, for instance. If you uh, don't uh, communicate your results in an effective manner to the stakeholders internally, you won't be able to deliver and execute on the insights that you produce. So I think Communication is, is paramount, uh, especially for an AI leader when you produce some insights uh, to produce the value that you would like to. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. And, and what would you say 
on the other end of that spectrum is something that that you've experienced success with, one of your most proud moments. Uh, are you asking for a particular use case or should we be, keep it more generic? Um, you know, you, you choose. I mean, if you want to talk to us about something in particular, that I think that uh, would probably resonate more. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So uh, let me give you my, uh, one of the things that I have been thinking a lot about is the uh, company culture as opposed to uh, building a strategy and try to implement the AI strategy. I think I've, I've come to the realization that uh, a culture eats strategy for breakfast. I mean, if your company culture is not conducive to implementing the strategy that you're building, it, it will not happen. It will not produce the results that you want it to produce. So while in the technical aspect, uh, coming up with interesting ideas, extracting information is very, very important. And uh, delivery on that end is easier in startup space as opposed to bigger companies. In mid-size and bigger companies, uh, it's often somewhat more complicated to uh, execute on, on, on an insight that you produce. Uh, so um, as an AI leader, when you're moving into an operation, uh, while you're building your talent pool, you're optimizing your process, uh, you're trying to nurture your data science teams, and it has to be a continual uh, process because data science is moving uh, very quickly, changing on a weekly basis. So you have to really invest into the uh, um, uh, nurturing and educating and training of, of the data science teams. Uh, you have to also work on uh, incrementally changing the culture. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is in the long term, in order to sustain the value that AI creates, you have to create a collaborative environment. And at least this is my subjective perspective on things. I, this is what I prefer. Uh, certainly not all companies uh, have this culture. It, you know, it, it might just work in their favor for whatever their business goals are. But I prefer uh, to build a collaborative culture internally, at least. Uh, that is continually uh, trained, and I take on uh, mentorship uh, individually uh, on my own as well. Uh, but also, I, I built uh, peer mentoring programs internally uh, where we have more senior data scientists helping out the uh, junior data scientists that are coming in the field. And this is additionally important in a field like data science, mainly because uh, most of the data scientists, including myself, are not formally trained in data science because as, as a domain, it didn't exist. And even the uh, curriculum is not something that we have settled on in the academic world. So people are coming in from diverse backgrounds, which I think brings in a lot of value, but also it creates a lot of challenges internally because you have people that are coming in with different backgrounds who speak different languages, uh, technically speaking, that is. Mm-hmm. So in order to... Uh, create a very productive uh, process and a team, uh, it it falls on to the leader to create that kind of nurturing environment, uh, which brings in uh, diverse ideas, uh, diverse talent from the outside, but also helps them to work effectively and productively internally. So there are challenges that comes with the whole process. Culture is key. Culture is key. Um, and you can be uh, in one of the two ends of this as a company. You can be either act like a, a predatory company where you hire really top talent, you attract them, 
mm-hmm. and then you eliminate them with a process and then you have a, a big turn uh, a turnout uh, in coming in and going out uh, where you hire people and then you fire people so this is one way to go about this and this is kind of uh, an environment that i don't find essentially conducive to AI itself, but it might produce the short-term value that a company is targeting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I think companies and industry uh, at large has to uh, work with the academic world in order to nurture the um, incoming data scientist. I mean, you cannot just expect academia to produce all that talent, and then uh, you basically go through the list of talented people you extract whatever you want, and then uh, go to the next uh, in the line. So I I think there have been really interesting examples of industry leaders that are investing into building that hybrid institutions with academia, with universities, or invest in some other means by creating grants in order to kind of create an environment that is conducive to producing the talent that the industry will need. So it's it's not a totally idealistic thing. It's, It's for the business value in the long term. So, so culture is important. Uh, continually training and mentoring is very, very important. I think a collaborative internal culture in the long term is better for attracting talent and, more importantly, retaining the talent. Uh, so if, you, if a company wants to be recognized in the industry, is in the industry for the long term, I think uh, there's no way around uh, this uh, collaborative culture. You just have to build that culture. And it can be difficult for bigger companies to uh, change and um, revolutionize or reform that culture internally. Yeah, especially publicly traded companies that are on a quarter over quarter basis. It's uh, short term over long term. And, and AI is at the stage right now, folks, where it's going to need more long term nurturing, as Bullent uh, explained to us. So great call out there. Uh, tell us about an exciting project you're working on today. The most exciting one I cannot talk about, unfortunately. Uh, but, <laughs> oh. but in the past, uh, just just one of the two that I just mentioned, uh, working on different psychological uh, barriers and how we can overcome them was an interesting project where we looked into the complicated and sophisticated interplay of different chronic diseases and how they play a role in making choices. And what I found was very interesting. I I used some of the uh, public data uh, from Mm -hmm. census and some other um, uh, government institutions. Generically speaking, in AI, a one plus one uh, is often more than two. Uh, if you're doing your job right and if the information is there. So sometimes when you look at the certain information stream that does not have or apparently does not have the information content that you're looking for at the level of strength that you're looking for, once you combine that information stream with another information, and if there is an interesting interplay between the two, Uh, It can give you that edge that you require to extract insight from that information. So uh, sometimes, you know, you can look into zip codes, you can extract information about the average income, you can look at the socioeconomic level, you can look at some other metrics. And sometimes companies or data scientists may go about manually uh, eliminating some of those, uh, some of the uh, columns or features that are coming with that data. I would strongly suggest otherwise to use everything possible and see at the end whether 
in conjunction to other data when you uh, combine them in a careful manner and come up with a creative uh, idea that you want to extract. Sometimes what you will see is you have you can get a contribution from an interesting feature that apparently may not have an impact on your insight on its own, but once it's combined with other things, uh, you'll see that it might actually produce some some interesting information that you require. So I think that that aspect and that strategy has produced interesting insights in the past, in particular, uh, looking into extracting information about psychological barriers for individual members. And also another project was to understand flu in general. There is a lot of waste uh, during winter times when members get flu-like symptoms, they go to the ER as opposed to urgent care. And you know you want to prevent flu-like symptoms, uh, or you once they have the symptoms, you want them to get the proper care and not go into uh, go in a particular direction that will uh, cost a lot of waste for the companies, for the individuals, and in 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 turn they won't necessarily sometimes get the best service uh, that they uh, deserve. So you know again, even in that area, when we looked into the whole process. Uh, of predicting the flu, uh, whether we can make predictions about certain zip codes and uh, towns or when the flu season will peak. Uh, we made uh, some progress using uh, AI and some uh, physics, actually. Well, Bulent, I think it's uh, it's fascinating, right? And, and, as, and as we start to take a look at how we could apply AI technology uh, and theory into practice. I think uh, the call out here is one plus one doesn't always equal two. It's when you combine those two data streams that we could potentially start to to see those insights that, that then you can take the next challenge, which is make them actionable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, uh, hard work, folks. So if you think you're going to get into AI and, and uh, hit it out of the park with little effort, just try something different. Um, <laughs> if you're not all in, don't get in, right? I, I will be more encouraging. Uh, you know, <laughs> but there, it's true, though, right? I mean, like, I mean, it, we it's, don't want to falsely, sure. you know, encourage. Well, it's it's not either. a walk in the park, that's for sure. Yeah, but I would encourage uh, anybody uh, with backgrounds that may not seem very appropriate for AI. They can get some proper training and bring in the um, diverse background uh, that other data scientists might not have. And uh, most of the time when I uh, uh, conduct interviews, well, there's a minimum level of skill set that one one has to look for. But what I look for, more importantly, is the creative aspect of an individual because data science is largely a creative process. It's not something that you can pick uh, you know, a black box and feed in your Excel sheet and come up with insights. I mean, it, that's not AI. Unfortunately, we've seen this over and over that many companies think that they can buy off-the-shelf software and feed in the data that they have uh, in an Excel sheet form and create some interesting insights that way. You may, but you know, that type of value will not be sustainable in the long term. So uh, what is very important is the creative process of the data science effort. Uh, and that requires really a, a diverse talent pool. I, I think this is very important. So I would encourage anybody to uh, you know, start learning. And there's, there's so much information out there on the internet. So one has to really learn to drink from the fire hose sometimes. And that takes also an uh, effort. 
mainly because universities and institutions still, uh, with, with few exceptions, there is no, there's not a formal way and curriculum to produce great data scientists. I mean, there are certain skill sets that you have to gain through the process, but you can do that online as well. Love it. So, so Bulent, the, getting close to the end here, it's time for our lightning round. We're going to produce a little mini syllabus for our listeners, five points here, lightning round style, followed by a book you recommend to them. You ready? Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Well, invest into AI. Uh, definitely uh, investing into AI in general, but also when you're investing into AI, make sure that um, you have uh, domain leaders that are driving the strategy and not only business leaders. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Is to have either a business leader only or an, a person that comes from a purely academic background to run the whole show. I, I think uh, it is essential to have both perspectives in a balanced manner, fashion, uh, to run the AI process and strategy for a company. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? Uh, you have to keep reading the latest literature. I still um, read or at least go through the titles and abstracts of almost all uh, articles that are coming out, uh, not only in uh, machine learning AI, uh, from the relevant websites like Archive, but also from my own domain, Astrophysics. So uh, I invest uh, quite a bit of time in leading, reading the literature and also taking on projects on my own uh, in addition to my leadership roles. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in AI efforts? I think transfer learning uh, it will be an interesting area. Uh, in other areas of technology, uh, it will be may create a disruptive value maybe in 2019. In healthcare, mainly because the um, data governance has not been that great, uh, it might take a little more time, but I think uh, transfer learning will become a very important topic in AI, mainly because you don't want to spend the whole computational time on continual training and reinvent the wheel. Love that. And Belen, the last one here, what would you say your number one success habit is? Well, that's a tough one. I, 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 I really don't know what that might be. But my, my, my approach to uh, managing and mentoring larger teams is I, I am a part of the team. And if I cannot do the job uh, that a, a member of my team is doing, I wouldn't be um, a leader that I want to be. So I take on projects on my own. I make sure that I know everything, at least I do everything at least once in the whole process. And it's a continual learning process. So, you know, this has been my approach to uh, academia. And this is my approach to data science and AI in general. You have to be uh, a constant learner and a good student. And I, I want to remain uh, that student. Love that. What book would you recommend to the listeners, Belent? There, there are a few that I really like and have played an important role uh, in uh, developing into the person that I am. And, you know, it's a continual learning process and evolution. But I think what is very important in everything that we do, including academia, leadership, and AI, is communication. And everybody has a very different style, very different background, and they bring in that personal intrinsic bias into their communication. So I think investing into 
communication is critically important to produce the business value that we want to produce or the academic impact that we want to create. Uh, in the business setting, you know, business people, they uh, speak a completely different language than um, people who are coming into the field of data science. And that creates a toxic environment. In order to alleviate that problem, I think a nonviolent communication is essential. And uh, there is an, actually an older book that's called Nonviolent Communication in the Language of Life by psychologist uh, Marshall Rosenberg, Rosenberg uh, which I find very valuable in terms of giving me insights uh, into techniques, into how to communicate in a nonviolent fashion, especially if you're a leader. In the academic setting, I think also this is important, but the uh, training that I uh, have gone through at Harvard specifically for communication was somewhat different. But you know, putting the two together, being a public speaker, being an educator, and then reading this book about nonviolent communication was uh, really valuable for me. Love that. Great, great example. And, and folks, if you go to outcomesrocket.health, Type in Bulent in the search bar. That's B-U-L-E-N-T. You will find the show notes, an entire transcript, and this mini syllabus that we just constructed with you, along with links to all the things that we've discussed about. Go there, outcomesrocket.health. Type in Bulent in the search bar. Uh, this has been a blast, uh, Bulent. I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with and follow your work. Sure. It's been a pleasure, Sol. Thank you for the invitation. Closing thought, uh, I, you know, talking about AI, AI has so much to offer for almost every domain in the industry for academia. And I, I want really companies to not only keep focusing on the short-term outcomes, but also focus on the midterm and long-term deliverables uh, that AI has to offer. Uh, AI uh, is not an optimization tool only. It, it can optimize really well but there's so much more that AI can offer. Uh, it can help with reducing the number of uh, deaths in hospitals, in the healthcare by mistakes. You can uh, produce uh, uh, models and make predictions when those errors might uh, happen. And the cost for those errors and mistakes is the life of a person. So it's something that has to be taken seriously. And uh, in order to keep that vision for the long term, I think it's essential that uh, this company AI strategies are set by domain experts uh, in conjunction with business leaders. I think uh, hitting that balance point and building that culture, that ecosystem uh, around it in a collaborative fashion, I think uh, will help the companies to create the value that they want. And also for the future, I think it's going to be an exciting uh, year ahead of us, uh, not only in healthcare, but in general, uh, where AI is going to be disruptive in almost any domain. So I, I would imagine that uh, any leader in any business sector has to uh, learn and uh, become educated in, in AI to a certain level. It will be uh, kind of the uh, computer knowledge of the future. Is if, you, know, you, you have to learn AI to a certain level in order to make uh, informed decisions for the future of your company. Get to know that AI, folks. And, and Bulent, finally, what, what, what would you say the best place the listeners could get in touch with you at or follow your work? Through my LinkedIn profile, or I have a website that I kind of try to keep up to date, but I'm, I'm not too good at it. But uh, if they type in my first name, 
and last name or just my last name. Uh, I have a personal website where I post every now and then. It has links to my LinkedIn profile and my other uh, social media uh, links. Beautiful. So folks, uh, Bulent, B-U-L-E-N-T, Kizilton. It's uh, K-I-Z-I-L-T-A-N. Is it .com? Uh, .org. .org. So bulentkizilton.org. We'll leave a link there in the show notes as well. So if you're curious, dig deeper, sharpen your AI skills, stay with it, folks. And Bulent, really appreciate you spending time with us today, man. Have a great one. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 